Boundaries with a big B. Since this is a foreign concept in our culture and we're a few days from Eid and family gatherings, I thought to myself, why not dig into this subject under healing? Building on the last episode's topic under trauma and how it's connected to boundaries, I read this part from Nicole's book, How to Do the Work, and I quote, Childhood trauma can be caused by parents who have no sense of boundaries. They invade their children's privacy and share inappropriate information with them. Parents can also have trouble regulating their emotions, meaning that they can be volatile, flying into rages, and becoming detached and distanced as a coping mechanism. Most people that I might treat or deal with in the therapeutic setting had grew up in environments where either they lack boundaries or they become parentified children, so they feel responsible for their... They're either responsible physically or emotionally for the caregiving of their parents. And I don't think we talk about how often this happens in this culture and, all, and how traumatic this can be to carry this burden so early on. It's good that you mentioned this because it's an important one that I didn't mention to do with childhood trauma. It's a really big one. We continue the conversation on healing with Sura Al-Masqati, a counselor and a psychotherapist, founder and managing director of Oasis of Hope Counseling Center in Masqat. So why is it that boundaries are so blurry in our culture? I mean, because in our society, generally, we are not taught that we are allowed to have boundaries. So our parents, a lot of our parents see us as extensions of, our, of themselves rather than separate entities. So that being said, when you're being treated as an extension of someone else, that means that they get to tell you what to do and how to be, right? Because you're them. So it can lead to a lot of complicated dynamics. And the problem is, is when I grew up in an environment with no boundaries, I don't learn that boundaries are a key and healthy part of every relationship and that relationships need to have boundaries to be healthy. Whenever I teach boundaries to a new client, they look at me like it's like a dirty word. You know, how can I put a boundary with my mother? She's my mother, you know? And I often explain, but boundaries are healthy. They're a necessary part of every relationship, you know? And a lot of times people are telling me, oh, sir, I put a boundary today and it's actually a barrier, not a boundary. So boundaries are also difficult to put, especially because societies like ours see them as selfish and unacceptable. So learning how to navigate that without that guilt and shame is very difficult. Most of the work, I think, when we're teaching people boundaries is not actually how to enforce a boundary, but actually how to deal with the guilt and shame that comes from it. Let's take a step back and understand what boundaries are. I've learned of six types of boundaries that I really resonated with, and they are intellectual and spiritual, physical, sexual, emotional, material, and time. And oh boy, this last one was a big one for me. I didn't realize I had very loose time boundaries with myself and others until I actually started learning about the topic. In this part, I asked Sura to elaborate on this topic, the definition, types, and differences between barriers and boundaries, as well as internal and external boundaries. So a boundary, so what are boundaries? Boundaries are limits. So what I accept in terms of how you treat me and what I don't accept. That's why having a boundary is a healthy thing. And when people resist your boundaries, you should really ask yourself, do I really want someone in my life that doesn't care about how they treat me? Because all boundaries do is teach someone how to treat me, right? So there are limits to what I accept and what I don't accept. So there are ways that I protect myself. There are ways that I show people how I want to be treated. A barrier is putting distance between me and another person. It's detaching. It's distancing. Barrier, boundaries are not actually meant to make you feel contrary to the belief that people have. Boundaries are actually supposed to make your relationship healthier and make you feel closer. So if you're putting boundaries and you feel further from someone and you want to feel close to them, you're probably not putting a boundary or putting a barrier. And then um, I haven't read much of this. So I don't know if this exists, but when I, um, so I don't know if this is my own theory or not. So just in case someone 
out there believes this, but this is what I've been teaching my clients for a couple of years. So there are different types of boundaries and we know them. So there's physical, there's money, there's spiritual, there's emotional, all that kind of stuff. But I also believe that there are two ways that we enforce boundaries, which is different than types of boundaries. So there's external boundaries and internal boundaries. An internal boundary is, you know, I put as if there's like barrier or space a separator between me and someone else and you know what's their feelings their emotions their stuff I give, it ba- I give it back to them and I separate it from me and it's like I create a shield one of my clients calls it a shield protects me from their thoughts feelings and behaviors so that's an internal boundary and I believe internal boundaries are very important for societies like ours because external boundaries don't always work what actually happened is I kept teaching people external boundaries because that's the only one I had learned and read and they kept telling me this isn't working what do I do with my mom or what do I do with people that I can't so then I remember sitting and thinking and being like they're right so what do we do and then I remembered how I was taught to be a therapist so when I was taught to be a therapist we taught how to separate our thoughts our feelings our behaviors from our clients so then I created this as an internal boundary and I taught this to my client external boundaries what we know so either physical proximity putting space or expressing how I feel to the person in a non-blaming non-accusatory language like you know I prefer if you visit you let me know before you come so on and then a key part in terms of putting a verbal or external boundary is always with the I you know using I responsibility you never can use blaming language you do this or you make me feel like this no it's always I taking the ownership Internal would be, so for instance, I know my mom has the belief that if I don't get married at the age of 25, then I'm going to be an old maid, for instance, right? So maybe someone who listens to this can be, can feel this is relevant, hopefully. I know that my mom sees this and I have a very healthy and I'm happy and I have a good career and good friends and I feel satisfied in every way except my mom saying this. Then I create, whenever she says things like this, I imagine that internal boundary, that barrier to me and her, and I imagine all her thoughts feelings and behavior is bouncing back to her and i promise you once you do this and you practice it works it works it really does work and i use it in my personal life too it works that's how it would be so i remind myself this is how my mom is this is her thoughts her beliefs do i believe this no i have a full functioning life i don't believe that i have to be married at the age of 25 i separate that that would be an internal boundary an external boundary would be my mom makes comments i know i'm picking on moms today I have a great, I have a great mom, but some, my mom, let's say, um, comment on my body saying I gained weight or something. So maybe Ooh, something else. So I would be like, um, you know, I respect that you're trying to advise me and you're doing this because you care. This is if I want to be very pleasant. There are obviously meaner ways to do it, but I respect that you think this is good for me or that you're trying to advise me, but I am not okay with you commenting on my body or commenting on my weight gain and I would and I would like you to respect it. and if you don't respect this then I mean it depends if you want to say this if you don't respect this then it's going to be hard for me to come here frequently this is if you want to make it more intense so it just depends on how severe you can but that would be a polite one to do because sometimes people think like external boundaries are meant to be aggressive they're not like they're just meant to express how you feel and teach someone how to treat you I don't know where we get the idea that they have to be this aggressive they don't Boundaries protect us, but they don't necessarily have to be harsh. And actually, in my belief, if the boundary is harsh, you're not doing it right. And if they're not willing to learn, you have to put internal boundaries, accept that this is who they are and that they might not change and find inner peace by putting internal boundaries. Or if they treat everyone else this way, you know that this is how they are. I think it might depend from environment to environment and family to family. But I think another key aspect about boundaries is we, we are such an instant gratification culture. 
and we expect it to work the first time. It will not. With boundaries, you might have to repeatedly keep putting up your boundary for someone to get the message. And that's okay. That's part of the work of boundaries. And you have to be consistent. Some people put a boundary and then the next day they remove the boundary. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to be consistent with boundaries. Just like with kids. If you're parenting kids, you know, if you're telling them, you know, you have to sleep at eight every day and then tomorrow, the day after you let them sleep until 10, obviously they're going to try to rebel. That's human nature. Human nature is we don't like boundaries because we want to get what we want. So no one likes boundaries. But if you keep repeating it, most often people understand your boundaries. Let's get into attachment theory. How many social media short sound bites did you see explaining attachment styles? Reality is, it's not that simply explained. Let's see Sura's thoughts on attachment theory and going back to healing and a story of a girl with anxiety. You should really only be reading info about attachment from like a qualified therapist or someone that um, is in the field because there's so many contradictory things about it and it's easy to classify everything as you and there's so many different versions of them so I think it can be very confusing and conflicting but I think attachment styles are very important especially if you get into romantic relationships but even relationships with your friends and so on because I think the style and the bond that you have with your pa- one of your parents the primary caregiver usually determines the bond that you have with your partner not necessarily all the time sometimes people are lucky enough to have a secure bond and that heals them but often we see the reenactment of the same dynamic so that's very key you know and I I think um, also that if you're understanding your attachment style, I'll also tell you to be kind of compassionate. If you find out you have like the insecure attachment, I mean, don't call yourself needy. It's not your fault. This is based on your childhood conditioning. This is how your relationship with your mom was or your dad. It's the same thing if you're looking at avoidant or fearful and dismissive. You know, I think a lot of compassion needs to be when you're trying to understand your type because it's not really your fault. But the best thing about attachment styles is that you can change them. If you do the work and you do the healing, you can change your attachment style and you can have secure healthy relationships with people it's not set in stone you know and i think people need to realize that more it connects to the why question that you asked in the beginning that most often if you don't work on yourself and you don't heal it you will repeat the same attachment style most often when i'm doing uh, marriage therapy like today i had marriage therapy and uh, literally this um, husband how he treats his wife is all based on his mom being bossy his mom letting him do what he wants it's literally per veta how his mom was with him and that's how we usually see it so it is important to work on it is important to heal because whatever unhealed things happen in your bond with your parents it will come up in your relationships with other people if you don't feel good enough or if you're constantly thinking your partner is going to cheat on you or you don't trust him it's probably linked to your relationship with your parents that's actually one of the stages of healing the plateau that has to happen so i mean i see a wide range of clients so some of them i've been working with them for years so two or three years some people one year some people a couple months it really just depends on their on how they want to heal on the stage of healing they're at um, how deep they want to go to some people just want to alleviate symptoms some people want to get to the root so i have a client that i actually she was with me literally from the first day i started the center um so more than a bit more than three years and she ended yesterday and uh, so we had her session yesterday reminding her that a couple of months ago she had a big plateau and she felt she wasn't changing and she's like all my friends are telling me I've been in therapy for so long and I'm not changing and it's all the same and I'm, well, I'm going to be in therapy forever. So I was telling her, remember you were saying that you had to be in therapy forever? And she was like, yeah, oh my God. She's like, but everything just fit into place. And I'm like, it usually is like that. You know, yeah. we usually have to go through a stage of plateau to get to the full healing. And I think we don't talk about that enough. And I think we don't address it enough because I think it's so frustrating that sometimes people forgive up. 
But really, it's at that point you keep going. Yeah. And and this girl had like social anxiety. It was so severe, she wouldn't even go to work. And now, I mean, she's fully functioning. She's so on. And it's been hard work and hard consistency. And she's been frustrated a lot and so on. But it's that persistent through that work that got her. I mean, she is so self-aware now. She understands everything. And I have no doubt that you probably never would need, will need therapy again. And that's the deep work. Some people stop too soon. They don't want to dig deep or they just want it just enough. I haven't seen personally anyone more than three years. But I think some people with very extreme mental illnesses might need therapy always. I think the thing is, is as long as it's still a beneficial and supportive space for you and you get something out of it, why not? I mean, some people do personal training for years and we don't judge them. They do it for five years. Celebrities continue to do it. So I think it's up to you. But I think most people, once they've learned the tools and they've learned enough, you feel when they're ready to end. There's like a lag in conversation. You know, they become a bit quiet. You run out of things to talk about. So uh, there are certain indicators I usually see when people are ready to end. So I, I personally believe that everyone will end at certain points like I don't believe that therapy is forever but I believe that it's also important to utilize it as a source if you want like I have a client he finished like a couple of months ago and he's decided to still continue because it helps him with his work stress so he just decided even though all his work major inner child stuff all his major stuff all healed and then I mean like self-development work the work never ends if you look for it you're always going to find things so I think it's just based on when you feel ready when you feel ready to end you end. I'll add this because this is part of me evolving as a therapist. Part of the work has been to me to learn and utilize the holistic aspect more to give people the tools to end if they need to. Because I think sometimes traditional modes of therapy without reparenting, without teaching them breath work, then they don't know how to cope. They don't know how to emotionally regulate. So I think as long as you're giving them the tools and taught them everything, they can end when they're ready. With that, we come full circle, I think, on the subject of healing. If you wish to know more about Oasis of Hope Services and Sura's Mental Health Book Club, check out the links in the show notes to know more. Also, a recommended read is Nedra Glover Tawab's book, Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself. This has been your host, Maria Ocean, created for the Gola Project. But before we close, this time it's a little different. I want to end with a question for you to take away and ask yourself. Have you ever wondered if you are emotionally mature as an adult? How do you know you're there? I think emotional maturity is when you're able to deal with situations without immediately reacting. When you are able to calmly respond or take a breath or take a step back when you respond to certain situations. When you choose to not engage in toxic relationships or things that harm you. When you choose to set limits on your energy boundaries on how people deal with you when you're able to put healthy boundaries in your relationship with others. I think emotional maturity is finding that balance of balancing all of those things together.